Yeah, it's it's always spider hyphen man. So it's capital S spider hyphen capital M man colon capital I into the capital spider dash capital verse. I'm glad I'm recording this. Hello and welcome to Geek Out Weekly, the podcast where we geek out a little weekly. Yeah. It happens also to be weekly. It's a weekly podcast about <laughs> geeking out weekly. Um, I'm Adil, your host this week, and I'm joined by Ben. Hi. Uh, this week, we are talking about uh, the 2018 Oscar-winning animated mm. feature, Spider-Man colon Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> uh so, we've got an hour to chat about this film. First things up, what do you think, Ben? You hadn't seen it before this past week? Yes, that's correct. Um, it's come to Netflix in the UK. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know why I hadn't got around to this. Uh, the amount of kind of praise and people saying, you know, this isn't, it's not just a good film. It's, it's, you know, it's a great film. Maybe one of the best Spider-Man films. Um, yeah, I don't know why. Uh, Kim, my, my wife isn't that into animated stuff. And when we normally watch something is, is together. So I think I just haven't found the time to, um, to take the time myself. Whereas now it's on Netflix, it's a little bit easier to access. And I have, I have finally managed to watch it. Did you, did you watch it a second time? I did, well, yeah. Just in- yeah, I, I watched it, um, yesterday actually. Um, yeah. I figured I'll, I'll leave it to the last second to watch it a, a second time, uh, so that, uh, you know, take notes, do the thing that you don't normally do when you aren't going to mm. then wax intellectual at people about something. Yes. Yeah. Um, so first impression? Oh, I really like it. I think it's fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's fast paced enough. The story flows and moves nicely. It's gorgeous as well to, to look at. The music's fantastic. Works perfectly. Like, it's all stuff we will deep dive into, but yeah, I, I was I was actually quite blown away by uh, by this, and I did manage to um, sit through the whole thing in one in one go. Um, I had it on, not necessarily in the background, but I was doing some kind of computer work and a few things, so I stuck it on my other screen and probably watched that more than I did what I was meant to be doing, but luckily did that over a lunchtime as well, so I could take the hour out to um to, to appreciate uh most of it. And it's what about a two hour runtime yeah, something I was gonna, like that? It's it's an hour fifty eight minutes, I think, including mm-hmm. the full credit sequence, which we'll talk a little more about. Yeah. Um and I think when I first found that out I, I was like, oh no, because like superhero movies are often like just let's make it two hours. I was like, this would be so much better at ninety minutes. But actually, it flies by. Yeah, it does. Like, it does not feel like a two-hour film uh, at all, uh, which just speaks to how well it's made. Um, mm. It's also so. Uh, I guess let's start with um, your impression. I think we're, let's start with story, and then we'll move on to to some of the more aesthetic stuff because I think that. That that could cause uh, us to go ramble on too much because boy, as you said, <laughs> is it a beautiful film? Yeah. Uh, so, rough recap of the film. Uh, you know, if you haven't seen it in a while or whatever, um, 
we start with um do we start with miles oh, no we start with an intro montage which also is like a repeated thing which is a spider person saying this is how i got here very classic movie yeah. trope but it works so well and it's spider-man telling a story uh that he's uh and he's you know about to um you know fight uh, bad guys, etc. He is the Spider-Man we all know and love. He's 26, so it's and he's. Mm. What I really liked about that intro montage is it is full of references, like it literally recreates shots from the Raimi trilogy. Yeah, like the train stopping with the like arms across, um, which is one of my least favorite parts of Spider-Man Two. Uh, it even has him dancing around as a as a crit. I feel that was very good. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like self-deprecating. Uh, and then, um, it even like refers to the 60s cartoon by talking about the merchandising he lives in and stuff. Mm. Uh, it's, it's just like, uh, this is a world where Spider-Man's been around. He's a hero and it's the real world. So like there is marketing and merchandising, et cetera. It felt, it made it feel like more real than the spot, like the live action movies, because yes. it's like, yeah, if there was an actual superhero who was like neighborhood locally thing, like there would be Spider-Man paraphernalia at the dollar stores or whatever. Like, it, absolutely. It, 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 I thought that was such a cool idea of really like doubling down on and also just borrowing from what we have, which is Spider-Man stuff mm. in the real world. Um, anyway, so we, so we get to him and then we switch gears and we meet Miles, who is, uh, half uh, Latino, half African, um, American, and he has his uncle who, who, he, so he's at, he's at some prestigious school, but he doesn't like it. He clearly just started, doesn't, wants to get out, sneaks out, goes to visit his uncle, does, and then, um, is doing graffiti and gets bit by spider number 42 from Alchemax. Um, and and then the the movie carries on, and the basic premise is um, he go in that uh, place where his um, uncle took him. As he as he's found out, he has superpowers. He tries to track it down, and it turns out it's the entrance to a secret kingpin base that has a super collider that rips the space time continuum and dimensional borders open. And then that that's what gets all the spy. That's what gets the Spider Verse going. And then we meet a bunch of other Spider people, um, and. Lo and behold, uh, they all have to team up and, uh, and save this, the multiverse. But the key here is this, like, pristine, perfect Peter Parker, like, meets Miles on the first run of this machine and then saves him, but gets sort of crushed and is stuck. And then Kingpin just full on murders him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we, and we just, and then the world finds out Spider-Man was Peter, Peter Parker and he's also dead and Miles and that's like, so Miles like meets Spider-Man for like five minutes and it's like, mm-hmm. cool, you'll teach me. And you're like, neat, we'll get like heroic montage. And then it's like, no, Spider-Man's dead. <laughs> and he yeah. doesn't, and he's promised to stop, like fix the dimensional gateway because he has the, um, the gizmo thing. What do they call it? Goober? The Gooba, yeah. Yeah, and then, and then it ends up, he ends up bumping into our first alternate Spider-Man, which is from, uh, an alternate timeline, which is 20 years in the future. Yeah, and he's mid forties, isn't he? Yeah, and, and like his marriage is crumbled and he clearly was never as successful as the 
blonde Peter Parker from this universe. Yeah, I think it's it, it does a really good job of kind of portraying him as um, starting off kind of successful, but not not getting bored with it, but kind of you know letting himself go a bit and and like any job that you stick at for too long getting into a rut with what you're trying to do. So it kind of portrays this this older Peter Parker as not quite a deadbeat, but it does then stick him in uh, in jogging bottoms. Oh, yeah. Um, That's the and, best, uh, the yeah, best costuming. A big coat on to start. And uh, it just, he does look, and, and they, they comment on it when the police turn up, when Miles has, has knocked him out because he's, Uncovering more of his powers um, yeah. and things, so he knocks him out with his electric shock, and uh, and the police say uh, they say like there's a kid with a homeless put down that homeless man or something yeah. like that. carrying a so hobo's he, body or something like that. Yeah, 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 and it, it portrays you know that older Peter as a bit of a down and out, uh, uh, you know, stuck in a rut. His marriage, as you say, has fallen apart, um, and he's not really you know on top of his game either. But yeah, he, he he's clearly kind of disenchanted, intro. uh, mm. and he just wants to go home, takes the gizmo, uh, and sort of, um, but then Miles literally is clinging to a wall and guilt trips him to doing the right thing. And, and yeah. I really like that scene because it's like, I don't care. I just want to go home. I got to get out of here because I, he's glitched already. So we find out that anyone from a different dimension will basically break apart because physics doesn't like them being here, yeah. which is a really neat idea about dimensional travel. Uh, yeah, which, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and um, like, that's the main reason why the spider, why, why the, like, it's not even like, I want to go home to my real, like, my, my regular life. It's like, oh, we have to get home because we're going to die. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's another point from the, the introduction for, uh, for that Peter Parker. I think they do a really good job of, uh, uh, giving you a little sort of slice of who Miles is and then they intro him, uh, a little, a little more slowly than any of the other characters. You know, they, they allow you to uncover kind of who he is, what kind of kid he is and, and understand at what point in his life, uh, you know, the, the social situations that he gets into when he meets, um, I can't remember what she calls it, Gwanda. Um, at the, at the, at the start, or towards the start when he goes to Visions Academy. Um, so, uh, there's some really good stuff which kind of show that he is this, you know, this teen who is a bit of a geek, who kind of falls over himself a little bit. And you get that as well as he's uncovering his powers, you know, the way yeah. kind of things explode around him and, and, and stuff. I mean, yeah, so that was one of the things I was going to uh, touch on, which is I think mm. that the timing of um, and the way they portrayed Miles is so well done because he then they, they like they know it, right? They tag him saying, oh, it's puberty. Uh, I don't know what's going on. What is going on? So after he gets bit by a spider, he has this like suddenly his voice is really loud and aesthetically it's really cool because that's when we first start seeing comic voiceovers. Hmm. Like the panels of, of yeah. text that are supposed to be, you know, your thoughts. Um, you don't get that until he has his powers and he's confused and suddenly he, and he's like feeling and seeing everything more amplified. And that's when you literally see his thought bubbles sort of things, mm. uh, which I thought was such a cool move. But like, yeah, the, the, the powers being a metaphor for body changing and not understanding and being clumsy and awkward. The fact that they made him grow a bit taller. Yes. Such that his trousers yeah. were not long enough. Again, so well done, right? You're like, 
Spider-Man didn't grow, right? That's not a thing. You don't grow limbs, but like spiders have lanky limbs and it made him awkward and more trippy. Mm. Uh, and, and again, it, it, it just like shoves that, um, puberty metaphor in, but not in a like clumsy way, just like a really smart way of doing that. Um, and then like he, he clearly has a thing for, um, Gwen when he meets her and then he tries to do the like shoulder touch thing that his uncle taught you, teaches him <laughs> and then he can't control the sticking and he, he can't let go of her hair. And that's just a bit. It's just this hilarious kind of panto type bit yeah. that ends with the nurse's office and shaving like the, the basically giving her a badass, um, side shave, um, hipster ha- haircut on, on one side. Um, it's a side mullet as some people call it. Um, uh, but it's because he, he fucked it up and, and like they, and she's just like, uh huh, cool. I'm leaving now. <laughs> Thanks. But at no point did they like address the, the nurse, like they didn't even show the nurse or whatever who, mm. who clearly shaved it, which I thought again made it feel like it was just these two in the moment. Cause yep. it makes you not question at some point someone would be like, why can't you like, like, why is her hair stuck to your hand? What is going on? But they just uh, avoid anyone else interacting. And because it's the pacing of the movie and the scene, you're kind of like, okay, that happened. And then it's only if you actually think about it, do you notice, oh, this makes no sense. Mm. And, yeah. and uh, I, again, I think this is a really neat way of um, just good writing. And, and I think this is why it's such a good family children's film that adults can enjoy as well. Because yeah, absolutely. Super accessible. You get the jokes. Um, it keeps on beat. It doesn't like linger too much. Uh, and yeah, just super accessible. Um, mm. and it, it doesn't like it has that element of comedy to it, but it doesn't lean into it too much. Uh, it, you know, occasionally with, um, Spider Ham, <laughs> but that's that character. That's the whole point of that character to, to be that kind of like comedic essence, that Acme style kind of character. Uh, but those, it's those, it's those smaller moments where it's kind of the dialogue between the characters uh, and things. You know, that that little quip that a character will give to someone else or, or a comment and, and stuff that that works really well. And I, it, it is laugh out loud as well. As I was kind of watching it, I was sat here chuckling to myself at points. Rather than kind of just like, yeah, funny, great. Uh, it, it does, it does the writing, as you say, it does very well at lots of different aspects. Yeah. Uh, like, so it matters to keep quips. Um, but also I think, um, on the writing side, like just centering it around Miles in a, in a visual way, like, like the whole movie is Miles. So like even the, that big fight scene when the interdimensional portal, uh, first opens, uh, it's, Spider-Man versus this giant demonic beast of a green goblin. Yeah. Um, and you see the entire sequence via Miles stumbling, trying to get out of the way, climbing around. It's like he has his powers. He doesn't really can't control them, but he's like doing some climbing and dodging and he's just like scrambling while mm-hmm. Spider-Man at this point in the fight is being Spider-Man and he's very confident and he's doing quips, but you get to feel the danger through Miles. While having Spider-Man feel like a full-on superhero, while if you had tried to have that sense of intensity um, tracking Spider-Man as like the protagonist of the scene, um, mm-hmm. you would have to make him doubt himself. So you get you get to feel this pure like invincible Spider-Man that is in this world, 
but still feel the danger and the hesitancy by tracking Miles, which I thought was yeah. just so well written. It's one of my favorite scenes because it just set the tone for this is a Miles film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, sh- with very little effort, sh- like because Spider-Man is this bright, shiny guy, it-, it sets up where he lives in that universe that he is just like the end of each Spider-Man film without the like second act doubt or whatever that you have to have. It's just like, no, he's just the shiny always wins guy. Like he is mm. top of his game Spider-Man. Um, and then he dies and you're like, oof, he was only on screen for like, la- like seven minutes maybe. Yeah. But, but because again, they, they got to show him at like this sort of invincible highlighty thing. It just worked really well. Um, so I think, uh, Let's talk about your favorite scene, if you have one, or scenes that stood out to you. I think that'll segue nicely into the aesthetics, which I, I believe we're going to Yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots. There's lots of very cool scenes. There's lots of really good sequences. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's hard to kind of say maybe a favorite scene without diving too much into sort of the animation stuff. I like a lot of the stuff where they I mean, feel merge free to if you a lot of, yeah. I like a lot of the stuff where they're merging a lot of those different animation styles together. Um, but I think the one that I really liked, uh, which kind of shows the, the, the idea of this film and encapsulates kind of everything about it is the one where, um, Miles has, uh, has, has gone off after they've all been to the, that world Peter Parker's lair and he goes back to his room and they all come to his room and, and the old version of Peter Parker basically says, look, you're going to stay here. We're not going to take you with us. And it kind of, you know, builds Miles up. There's a little bit of comedy in there. It brings all of the characters together. You know, his roommate is, um, you know, uh, manages to see them all and stuff. But it also gives you a little bit of that disappointment. You know, the idea that Miles isn't quite ready yet and then pops you with him kind of learning a little bit more and stuff. And I think it, it really encapsulates very well kind of the tone of the whole film. Um, so I think that's, yeah, that, uh, talking about different animations, I don't think there's actually any different animations in that. No, there <laughs> isn't, scene. but that's fine. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, that's I like the pivotal, um, scene where Miles, yeah. like, changes his mind. Cause before mm-hmm. that, he, like, kind of, he hears all the doubt of, of the other spider people that he can, he can be the one to stop things such that they can all go home. Mm-hmm. And he doubts himself enough that he just walks, yes. right? Um, and then they, they all come to him and you think, oh, okay, they're gonna, they're gonna be like, you gotta join the team, don't worry about, about buddy, but they're actually like, um, Peter B. Parker is just like, uh, that's fat old one, for those of you, uh, keeping track, um, it's just like, I wanted to tell you, like, like we've bonded, we've, like, I've taught you, I'm clearly your mentor, but like, I, I had to tell you in person that I'm gonna stay back. My, like, life isn't that great. You know, he, he does mention things with MJ weren't, yeah, rosy. Uh, and then you're right, that, like, it, and, and then, it, and so you go from the, oh, the team to, oh, right. And they, like, full on tie him up and, like, web him up so he can't uh, escape. They're just like, sorry, buddy, you gotta stay here. You, you'll yeah. be the Spider-Man when you're ready, but you're not ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, that, yeah, so thematically we, we basically rehash the film because you get that feeling of he's not alone. He's got teammates who will help him train. You get that feeling when they all 
and and they're all com- the comedically like in the corner of the room crawling <laughs> on the, <laughs> yeah. on the top corner Try like hard, like yeah. so they're literally like a pod they're like a group together mm-hmm. in that so you get that feeling of yep they're spider people together but then they go no you're like then they rehash the you're not ready tough and and then he feels bad but then uh and, and they even tag in the secondary uh arc of him and his dad and his uncle that, yes yeah, um, yeah at the end of that scene so i think you're right that's like a pivotal moment and and it and the fact that it starts with comedy says a lot about it being the pivotal moment of the film because it's mm. exactly what this film is doing it starts with kind of hilarious hijinks and then it goes through an emotional thing and then another one which is like Having his, him like talk back right at the end and having one of them web his mouth and such that when yeah. his dad shows up at the door and his dad's like, I'm trying to tell you, your uncle's dead. And as far as I know, new Spider-Man did it. Who is you? Instead, he is just there listening and wants to talk to his dad because he knows his dad's brother's dead and he knows his dad's in pain and his dad is reaching out. And he can't bridge the gap that he wants to mm-hmm. because he's all webbed up, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and like doing the, and we'll jump to the aesthetics of that scene. I think the perfect like encapsulation of that sort of very mood drop. Oh, this is real emotion. And like what matters between him and his dad is the fact that they're drifting apart and that he has been turning to his uncle more often. That's like, he runs off and he doesn't go home in the beginning of the film. He goes to his uncle's place. His uncle's fun. And that's his uncle's the one who shows him the space to do the graffiti. And that's actually the entrance to Kingpin's super collider place and where the, the spider happened to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you get this feeling that he's like embarrassed of his dad and not quite like on the same page. And his dad's reaching out and he's like, alone and scared and wants to reach back but he can't because he's stuck and it's just again the fact that they made that understated and like had his dad notice his shadow under the door yes was such a nice touch because again it's like we're using the visuals but we're also very aware that the characters are what their perspectives are right so they do the shot reverse shot of like him seeing the the shadow he's like i know you're there and then it shoots back to He's stuck on the chair and he's like wheeled to the door, but he can't mm. do anything more. Um, and like, it's just beautiful. I, I really felt that. And again, the beginning of it was this hijinks hilarity with six spider people in a corner of a room and then a passed out roommate. Right. Yeah. And then it ends with this like cutaway so that like the door, we're seeing both sides of the door and the, uh, the dad's just like, slumped and like turns to walk away and miles is just like literally leaned into the door because he's trying to get close to his dad but he he can't do more because he's stuck and then it and then it the next thing we see is like miles having a bit of a auditory flashback i think or whatever and then he uses his electric powers on purpose for the first time to burn those um those webs and that's like again very visual and very evocative of I can't do anything. I'm, I totally don't have control of my powers. I learned how to swing. That's it. That's the only thing I can do very reliably to, I just got to do in that leap of faith thing. His leap of faith is actually trusting himself and just tr- like, nope, I'm just going to get out of these webs. Right. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, the scene having, you know, the, the scene wouldn't have worked so well if his dad hadn't showed up because that 
gives him some of the motivation to, you know, to, to change that element. You know, before he was kind of like, oh, I, you know, yes, I'm down. Um, I couldn't do this. I couldn't save my uncle. Uh, I'm not part of the team. I can't help everybody out. Now my dad suddenly is, is like, I can't talk to him. I can't reach out to him. And I think that is that kind of turning point for him where he's like, I, something, I have to do something. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want this to be, um, you know, how, how it is going forward. And we, you know, again, we see that at the end of the film where uh, uh, they kind of, do they come face to face for the first time since that kind of scene where he's it's still in full Spider-Man costume and he yeah. goes up to him and he's like, hey, uh, thank, you know, thanks for helping out sort of thing and then like gives him a big hug. Oh, and it's the same hug he does. So, um, he, so when he's running away, he like goes back to his un- uncle's place because he's like scared and he, he wants to confide in him and then he finds out his uncle's a prowler. Yep. Um, and then... After that big chase scene, he goes home because he, mm. at the end of the day, that's his parents' place. And his dad's like, you have to go back to school. And, and his mom's like, he's clearly upset. Yeah. And like, they think it's because of the earthquake, which was, of course, not an earthquake from mm-hmm. earlier. But it's, it's actually just like all kinds of stuff they don't know. But he gives him this big, like, I'm, I come to like your belly button, but I'm going to wrap my arms around your giant torso. Yeah. Big on hug, and he does that same hug in costume, and it's a really credit to the animation that, like, you, you're like, surely he'll feel like this. This has got to, but he he doesn't seem to recognize it. He's just mm-hmm. like, okay, <laughs> like he know. But I think it's it's clear that like new Spider Man's a kid, and I think he's it's like his fatherly instinct without realizing he's actually being a father. He's like, yeah, okay, buddy. That was weird, but I'll humor you because I'm a dad. And it's like, no, no, you're my dad. You have to humor me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I, I the, yeah, there's so many really tightly written, really w- and well, like it's, it's not just that they, the writing is so tight. It's the fact that the direction and the art just really marries that vision of the words that were on the script so well. Like you, mm. you, it's again, like it's, let's redo the basically, like just reskin him and have that hug scene, right? It's essentially what's going on. He's wearing the suit, same hug. Um, they make the, they even like have him like try and be a little deeper in his voice. Yeah. Which is a throwback, a callback to him pretending he, it was all puberty when he tries to like flirt with, uh, Gwen, aka hey. Gwenda, uh, yeah. the first time. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's really, really, really cool. Um, let, let's, let's spend some time, uh, on the art. It's probably, yeah, the art and soundtrack are probably the things that, uh, would blew me away the most, um, mm-hmm. outside of the writing, I think. But like, first off, um, when I first saw it, I think it was either on a plane or just a smaller screen. And I did not appreciate, um, the, like, pixel dotting that looks like common pr- comic print that this yeah. entire movie is. I just didn't notice it in a, on a smaller screen or a lower res, and now I watched it on uh, sort of a 4K TV um, with Netflix, so uh, so I could I could really see that that, and it's it like within like the first five minutes, I was like, wait, this looks like a comic book, like they've just got this filter on the entire thing with just like the dots of comic book printing, and it 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 was it, it was like, oh wow, this is like really well thought out it's like it's not just that they have 
like ink lines for noses and stuff, like very, very comic stenciling for mm-hmm. the aesthetic of like features. It's like, no, th- this is a comic book that is moving, yeah. right? That is yeah. what they're going for. Um, it also makes the cutaways to the montages of introductions, which all start with like a comic book cover. Whenever someone's like, this is my part of the story. It's like, here's a comic cover. Like, and we're going to open up this comic book and, and tell you the story. Like, this is the mm-hmm. Spider Gwen issue or Spider Woman issue. Um, and again, I, I thought I, that I, was good. I like how that kind of, um, uh, transcribes across as well to when we were talking earlier about this being a, like a lived in world where there is Spider Man merch and all of that sort of stuff. And in that scene where they all go back to his dorm room, his, uh, his roommate is sat there reading a Spider Man comic. Uh, and it, that it, it reminds you constantly that this is, uh, uh, you know, is a comic, um, yeah. and where it's kind of its origins come from. Yeah, and same thing with like when he first starts having his sticking problems. He's running away from the security guard, goes to the security guard's office by accident, yes. leaves through the window, and then like it's just bad. Like again, very family friendly hijinks of like. Hitting his head against the window repeatedly, getting pigeons stuck to his hand. Like, it's just mm. ridiculous because, and, and he says a certain few lines of like, please, like, why can't you stop sticking? Oh, and then he's like on the wall and it's like, please don't stop sticking. And like, he says a few lines that are just part of that scene and he gets to his room and he sees the Spider-Man issue number one, presumably reprint that he has. And he just looks at it and he sees. Again, in, in this, it's like more yellowed. It's an older comic, older style. Um, but it's the same scenes. Like there's one shot where he's like, uh, well, please stop sticking. And he's like breaking ceiling tiles or whatever. Yeah. In his sneakers. And then you see that a panel in this and it says, please stop st- sticking. And it's a different style of seat, like an older building ceiling, but with also older, more vintage-looking shoes, but it's Peter Parker saying the same thing in the same circumstance. And again, it's that visual cueing, which I think works because it's supposed to be a comic, so you Mm -hmm. can be more over the top with your symbolism. Like, if they were trying to make this more real, you'd be like, okay, like, he reads the comic, and he's like, oh, I." if it was, like, shot for shot the same thing, you might think that's a little too on the nose, but because Mm -hmm. it's a comic, and he's looking at a comic, you're like, yes, the mirroring makes sense, because they're the same medium, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I really like that. Again, uh, the the fact that they held off on some of the comic book motifs um, until he got his powers were really smart. Like like the thought squares that are very Spider-Man-y. Mm. Yeah. Um, but the thing I really liked most about those is like is basically the fact that they were well aware and, and and really used the 3D environment of 3D animation to like depth was such a big part of this film mm-hmm. in a way that a comic could never be like some of the chase scenes he's coming sort of at the camera and one yeah. of the chase scenes he's having these thoughts and so so you get the thought like the the you know yellow square with black inking and uh black border and black um writing that are like his thoughts and they appear on the plane in which he's saying them, but because he's running towards the camera, they stay there and fade back and they layered and it's, and you're like, wow, that's so evocative of like when you have sort of, um, first of all, it's just, it's really pretty. It shows off the depth. 
Um, and it gives you this visual stamp of he's progressing forward through the scene. But it also, uh, having read a bunch of comics, I was a big comic nerd as a child. Often what happens is, you know, some, some, some between panels, often it's like minutes in between. But when you're in the middle of an action sequence, often you have a whole page of like six panels that are in the space of seconds. And they're just mm. like, and if you look at, so it's just like, and here's Spider-Man having this thought and he's here and now he's done a, now he's sort of half upside down because he's doing a flip through the air and it's just one panel later. And that felt so much like one of those sequences when he was being chased and having those. It's just like, okay, if you froze at the first time, uh, a new speech, uh, box appeared and just cut those frames together, it would be one of those sequences from, from yeah. comics. But it's fluid, and it's dynamic, and it's moving towards you, and, and you get this depth feeling that makes the world, despite it being a comic, feel more lived in and real, because you have depth. I just thought, like, that was one of my favorite artistic choices. Uh, and they did it mm-hmm. a couple times, but that was the first scene that happened, and you're like, whoa. Um, yeah, and it's the, it's the same when the, uh, like when the explosion happens and when they're recounting their story, you know, each of the spider beings are recounting their story and they fly kind of through the, um, through the city to, to, and, you know, land up wherever they land. But you see that explosion kind of in the background and then stuff rushes towards you as well. And you can, it, it's great because that, that shot of like looking over the city towards, um, Fisk's headquarters or his, his yeah. building, you know, where the, where the collider is. Uh, it look, you know, that is a comic book panel. Absolutely. Where it yeah. frames the shot really well. It's like, here is the, you know, the bad guy's uh, base. And it would, you know, you would expect it to come up in the top and just say like, meanwhile, and it's just that kind of scene showing you where the next location is going to be. And I think they do that a couple of times as well, which, which works really well when they're, when they're shifting scenes or shifting locations. They, they frame it as yeah. a comic book would do so, yeah. Also, so the the cool thing that, like, they do when the, the explosion comes, it's like the, almost like an EMP wave mm. that, like, knocks out some buildings and does the weird, like, janky, glitchy the thing. glitchy, yeah, yeah. But, again, in that, it makes it feel sequential in, like, in that sort of panel-by-panel panel way because the glitch is sort of, it's like the wave comes from the back the building which is like way in the distance to the more buildings in the foreground and then you're like okay like a third of the distance from between the two suddenly one thing has has a janky glitch and then another thing has a janky glitch and another thing has a janky glitch so you get the sense of progression from the same scene yes yeah um again which is it feels very much like those sequences in in comics i, I really thought that like th- those little things are what make like makes the the movie feel both more lived in than a comic, but also more comic-y than any, the other Spider-Man movies, uh, mm-hmm. which are, you know, live action or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we have to spend some time on talking about the art style meshing of the non-standard Spider-People. Like, I think it's very smart to do Peter B. Parker, then Gwen as the first mm-hmm. two. Uh, you know, they come from similar styles of universe. It's just like Gwen and Peter were working, you know, in, in some origin stories, were working in the same lab. Um, and Peter gets bit. And so like Gwen being like, Oh, I got bit instead. Like they were both working with the spiders. I think this is the amazing Spider-Man style or- origin story. Like the Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone ones. They, they right. both were working at Oscorp as like 
um, interns. Uh, and then we have further in time, old Spider-Man, who's clearly like a fall from grace version of their Spider-Man, like blonde mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Uh, but then you get the other Spider-People. Um, so what, we've got Penny Parker, who yeah. is the m- most bizarre thing that I did not expect. So like Spider-Man Noir exists in games even, mm-hmm. right? And comics. Spider-Ham, I owned Spider-Ham comics as a child. <laughs> uh, but Penny, maybe, maybe she was in other ones, I, but I, in the intervening years, but she is a preteen anime girl from the year 3000 something. And yeah, she has a psychic bond with a spider who lives in a mech. Like a, uh, you know, uh, an ogre-sized mech, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, she can jump into the mech. Yep, she can in a play fight. Yeah. So it's like, oh, so you both hang out in the mech? Yeah, I guess. Uh, and she's like a hacking expert, etc. Um, she has like the least amount of screen time and yeah. lines, I think. Yeah. Um, I think she's mostly just like a anime bit, which is unfortunate. I think so, yeah. It's just a, a, an, almost another style that we can kind of throw into the mix and show those different ones. You know, when they're when they're fighting, especially like how that that, that changes kind of as they progress through and, and merge different things together and stuff. And she does feel a little bit like she was put in just to have another style. Yeah. Um, there's there's you know there's bits that kind of show off that uh, we don't get the you know. There's no kind of like lab work and stuff like this. You don't get how super sciencey maybe they kind of are through the the scene. There's a little bit with the the key, you know, the whatever the, it is, the, the yeah. goober. And um, and I think she's there maybe a little bit more to to push that kind of super smart hackery style uh, thing. Like this is another facet to Spider Man. Okay, it's it's coming yeah. across in this preteen girl, but this you know that element is still kind of there, and that's maybe not something that is shown off as much in. Miles, uh, even though he's gone to this, uh, you know, uh, went to whatever it's called, Visions uh, but I think Academy, that's... because he had a grant, because he is super smart and good at science and stuff. Yeah, I think that's really smart because, like, you're already having to deal with the fact that he just, like, gets acrobatic training mm-hmm. and stuff, like, really fast. Like, you could, some might see it as a sort of Mary, Gary Stu slash Mary Sue type thing because he's just, like, decides to be good. And then he's mm-hmm. very good at spider Manning to the point where he can, like, one-on-one with Kingpin roughly, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that's just how the movie is. And, again, I think it works because it's more of a family kids-oriented mm-hmm. one. Like, it's not um, – it doesn't have to be realistic in that sense of, well, could he really train? Like, yeah. like like And, and the transition from puberty awkwardness to barely being able to not fall off a building and, and let go of pigeons to – I'm now doing all of the things as good as the rest of the heroes it was yeah. like, okay, I could buy that. Cause again, it's more comic booky. And I think that the, the tone of the movie allows them to get away with that. Um, but I think the, uh, so I think it would have been pushed over if he also just happened to be super science brain. Like Peter yes. is a genius. Miles is smart and he's not applying himself at school and he wasn't going to this fancy school for long enough for him to like, have access to the, like, this is his dad's whole point. Like, your old school doesn't have access to the resources. You can be as smart as anyone. Yeah. You can be as smart as Peter. Maybe he is, but like, you haven't had the time to 
learn and leverage the smarts. Like you weren't, you didn't have the access. So I think it's really, it was really well thought out to have, um, Penny as kind of like a deus ex machina of like, I fixed the key. Um, but what I, my, the lead, the thing I'm most disappointed in, in, with the film is, um, actually the only sad part of their fight is that her robot breaks. Yes. But the spider's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And the robot had some notion of AI, but then I thought it was, like, it was very unclear because, like, everyone was yeah. sad the robot was dying, this robot was making these weird faces, but I thought the, maybe, I, I just, I think they the said spider, something about thought, AI. Again, I thought the spider powered the robot. And I thought the robot emotions were the spider. Yeah. And if they did, they did, she did say something about AI robot, but I thought that was just a throwaway thing because then it's like, okay, well, then the spider doesn't matter and the robot does. <laughs> right like yeah. it, it just it, yeah. it, it felt a little clunky and it was like i'd rather you didn't pretend like stakes happened with like the, the movie doesn't need you to feel like some there was some loss from the good guys like i felt very much like a script writing checklist thing of like oh well the, the, the not all the good guys can survive we have to have some notion of loss to make the fight feel real but you're like at that point like the loss had already happened right it's losing his uncle aaron and yep learning about the world in a different way like that mm-hmm. that's what pushes him to make the right decision and like it is a comic book and like more kid-friendly thing you can just have the ro- robot be fine or like yeah. losing its limb or even even the robot dying but it's you know not all not all the faces that kind yeah, of come not- from it and stuff you know okay yes the robot can't be uh used anymore but at least you're like okay cool the spider was survived and or or they could have had a notion of like maybe the spider hadn't survived but actually when she was going back into the collider to move maybe it appeared at that point there was a little bit of kind of uh joy from the coming back or something like that there's definitely a a, uh not a neater way of doing it but a, a way that didn't entail kind of throwing in a slightly confusing well, yeah, it was also just felt kind of maudlin with the, I get that that's like the anime style with the faces and whatever, but yeah, I think you're right. If they had like had the robot like blow up and her think her spider friend was dead, but then the spider like crawls out of the wreckage or like turns out mm-hmm. it bailed when she didn't notice, that would have been a notion of loss and gain that I think you're right. I think it would have been a little tighter. Um I also think that like they didn't really lean into anime as much as like there again it felt really tacked on so like if we think about good old nicholas cage's um spider-man noir um there are shots where everything is in black and white like that when you first see him everything is in black and white kind of because they're in the lair so it's dark and there's like a weird like spotlight on him and the wind is going and peter b parker literally says we're underground. How is there wind? And he's like, yeah. where, wherever I go, the wind follows me. Um, and, and it's just, and, and like his montage intro is all, you know, PI noir 1930s, mm-hmm. 40s. I love, I love like that. Smashing Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it, it, and in his fights and stuff, he sort of seems to, they, they seem to put more time into how he would act and move versus I guess mm. the problem is uh, at the end of the day, a jumping mech just looks like a jumping mech while he's doing yeah. biffs and boffs. Uh-huh. Um, and I think the, yeah. So, so I, I really liked his character. I thought he had the right amount of screen time that they didn't overdo it. Yep. Um, 
and that he the fact that he's from a black and white world and like the Rubik's cube uh thing is really funny although it breaks the physics cuz the Rubik's cube should break apart in the next universe yeah right. or it goes back and it is gray toned instead well no cuz it's from a different colored. universe right and things yeah. from like the it was a funny bit but like having it the recap in this credits have him solved it and it's all in color i'm like i like the idea that it's in color cuz it's from this other universe but shouldn't it have broke yeah it, like he yeah. solves it and it instantly glitches out or something like that. Yeah, and it's gone. Like, yeah, just some some recognition that like you, the whole point of thing is that things can't travel across mm-hmm. safely. Although Stinger scene, um, yeah. So and, and Spider Ham, I, I know some people probably will think he was a little there too much because he's he breaks the fourth wall in the sense of everything mm-hmm. just becomes very ridiculous. Uh, he does Looney Tunes s stuff. Anvils drop. Giant hammer even gives Miles one and references yep. that you can put it in your pocket. Like the physics of these things are broken, <laughs> but I think John Mulaney sells it really well. Uh, and it's it's just it's it's the right type of bonkers because you are doing multiverse stuff. Like mm-hmm. and having his fight be his type of fight, I thought his was the most interesting uh, and believable. Like. I come to your world, but my physics come with me. I think that's a yeah. really neat idea, right? Uh, it doesn't, like, it's like, it, it brings up a lot of questions, but I think it just makes it seem really cool. Uh, and it really then felt like there was a spy, a multiverse and it mattered beyond just characters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your thoughts on, on the last three spider, the, 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 the lower spider cast? Lower spider cast. Uh, I, I I agree with you. I liked uh, I liked Spider Ham. Liked the uh, the comedy kind of element that it brought. And I again didn't think it was too overdone. Um, it very much leans into that sort of uh, side. Moi again, yeah, really good. Got it the right amount of screen time. Uh, was portrayed very well. Um, like some of the some of this cast as well. It's just like we'll get Nicolas Cage in and he'll do maybe five minutes of dialogue. Across the entire movie, yeah, but, like but it's just absolutely nuts. Yeah, and he'll um, just knock it out of the park too. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think yeah, portrayed really well. And uh, again, I agree that uh, a penny bit underused was there to you know show a couple of elements that that we couldn't kind of get from Miles or one of the other characters uh, there to sort of fill a gap, but also to be able to maybe may, I mean it may have come from whoever was doing a lot of the art for this going I really want to push myself and I've never done anime before and I really want to try something new is this something that we can kind of work into it and it'd be interesting to see where the uh, you know the, the script writing and the storyboarding came and how the artists were kind of involved in that and how that of you know how that evolved through uh, the production of uh, of the movie, um, but yeah, um, fine, fine. Yeah. Be interesting to see if if there is a, a sequel. Um, our, there is which, one. Okay, so alluded to at the end of the at the end of the credits or, or during the during the credits as well um, that you know it hasn't just stopped. Uh, you know, with the Collider gone, that there is maybe something else that can come through. And, uh, future Spider-Man as well. Um, which one's he? Uh, 2099? Yes. Uh, 20, is 2099? Yeah. 2099 yeah. is the entire range of, um, the first, I think, big branch out from Earth. So it's, it's yeah. the future of Earth 616, which is the main Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. 
and 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 you just they they did this in like the nineties, I think. Um, they just made. Yeah. 2099 versions of like Iron Man and Hulk and Spider-Man and it, you know sometimes they had direct like great great grandfather type relations sometimes mm, they're just was, yeah, people yeah, yeah. and Miguel I think has no relation to Peter Parker I think but mm. has a similar type origin story um yeah uh, yeah yeah so and, and so they, they they allude to it, and I'd like to see you know obviously Miguel coming in as well using that Spider Man too, maybe not expanding it too much, but uh, whether these are you know whether we see Penny again or not, whether some are interchangeable, uh, but again centered around Miles, whether it's Miles and Gwen, maybe oldest older Peter doesn't come back, you know, it's yeah, good to see how they bring in different styles. I, I absolutely loved um, when. Um, when 2099 Spider-Man goes back to the 60s, and it is that's hilarious. Oh, it, it, it's hilarious. The, I cannot believe they made the meme. It makes so much sense. But <laughs> yeah. having the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man, at, but not the same suit, was like genius. But then having yeah. them have this very stupid dialogue about pointing, <laughs> like it's yeah. just like how do we. Like, okay, how do, how do we make this scene? Like, the scene's funny for like five seconds when you see the meme, but we're, we're not like, it's not a gif. We have to have something happen even in the stinger mm-hmm. scene. And then like, and like cutting away to sixties, J. Jonah Jameson talking about pointing. Uh, it, it was, it's, it, I, I laughed out loud, even though I knew it was coming again. Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's so good, but it also reminds you that they, like, like the style of the universe dictates things. Although to be fair, he should have looked like he did before he jumped. He should, but yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was really cool. Um, yeah. So the the thing I wanted to to say about the sequel, uh, and then I think we'll end off with sound. Um, sure. Is uh, it, it relates to one of the things I want to talk about, which is um, I really, really, really liked that he's like preteen, teen. And there's like a bit of a love story, but it's mostly like, oh, a girl's, I'm clearly attracted to this girl. Um, I don't know how to deal with that. I've never dealt with that. You know, the, the hay shoulder push thing. Uh, the like, I know you said you want to be friends. Do you want to be friends? And there's this tension between them of like, we're both mm. teenagers and there's clearly an interest, but also we kind of, we're kind of just like, oh, we both had to go through the being young and being spider people bond. Um, and I thought that they, they, the, what, why this worked so well is because it wasn't a love story. It yeah. was, um, yeah, I kind of have a crush on you, but mostly it's like, we, I thought I was alone and you're one of the people that reminds me it's not. And you're near my age and you understand it in a different way. Mm. Um, I thought that was really, uh, really smart. And I think I wouldn't have liked it if they like kissed goodbye or whatever sure. at the end, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I think it would have ruined it. The, the thing that, uh, sucks though, well, the thing I'm worried about is that, uh, the little information they have about the sequel is that it will probably involve their budding romance. Mm. And I was like, ah. You know, it, it's fast forward two years ish. Is the rumor slightly okay. confirmed? Rumor. It was like an offhand comment by Phil Lord, I think, the main writer. Um, 
So, so it might work, right? Like, and I trust them because one of the things I love about this movie is just how well written and thought out it was. Like I said, the stuff about puberty, the stuff that they knowingly held back on the relationship to the betterment of the movie. Mm. If they're going to push that forward, I don't think it'll, it won't be sort of central in the way that like, boy, was the love story and like the, you know, the, the Raimi trilogy is great, but like it, it's a, I mean, arguably one of the reasons why it works so well is because it's kind of romance and love triangle stuff that make it balance. That That's what drives those movies to balance. And this is more yeah. like, this wasn't that. And I think that it would be a shame if it defaulted to that because mm-hmm. what makes it so interesting and unique is that it didn't do those tropes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you tell me about what you think of the sound um, and, uh, oh, yeah. soundtrack. The, the 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 soundtrack that it, it it pairs very very well with um, with what they're with the visuals, but also with the with the characters as well. You know, it's uplifting when it needs to be. It, it, it especially when it kicks off with uh, with Mars kind of humming along to the song and not you know getting a couple of the words. Oh, uh, it's so good! Right, but like knowing the tune, it works really well, and it, that comes back in later on as well. Um, it, it, it sort of the 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 soundtrack matches really really well to the scenes the characters and i think overall the sound works they don't you know they don't drown out any of the characters when they have their having their dialogue everyone sort of um the, the timing of uh, like dialogue between characters works very well i think sound effects wise you know you're getting your thwips and uh, and your your boffs and everything kind of matching the anime animation style to kind of the the, the sound effects and stuff uh it 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 kind of just tops off a uh, you know those visuals and the, and the visuals are kind of the the selling point almost for this you know it's the first thing that you will notice it's the first thing you'll uh, pick up on perhaps but uh, i i don't think the sound is secondary to that i think it accompanies it very well and is and has been very very well thought through to to sort of say we need to back up this these differing animation styles and the way to do that is to really work on the sound um from from kind of uh, environmental sounds and and the the dialogue to the the soundtrack as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're completely right. Uh, also, I think it, it helps it feel like uh, New York, mm. uh, specifically like there's a Brooklyn that that he like you you he's in, um, and also a lot of the songs are diegetic, which um, if you're not familiar yeah. with the term, it means. Uh, where the sound is part of the movie, it's not over top that we hear that the, mm-hmm. right? So often it's like turning up a stereo, uh, like when he's doing the spray painting montage with that, when Uncle Aaron takes him to the, the secret canvas wall, right? He brings a boombox and he hits play. And you get the sense that they are listening to this tape while he's doing all this painting. Yeah. They do a lot of shots of like turntable, spinning, cassette spinning, and you get this sense of, yeah, it is 2018-ish, but like, People have older tech and like mm-hmm. some of, and the tracks are more nineties, two thousands. Like you got Biggie in there, um, with hypnotize for at one point, which again, I mean, for me, it worked really well because I was around Miles's age when those movies were, um, when those so- songs were like new. And I think that was 
probably planned to like because they know there's people in their 30s watching this either with their kids or nostalgia wise and like the kids probably don't care if it's not a matter modern hip-hop song but you just get that nostalgia stuff for free by putting in you know Mm. um so yeah i really liked um the track choices and the fact that like like you said the setting changes uh the the type of song changes depending where you're at right and even the scoring in like the school it's very different from when he's walking to school past mm. all of his old friends at Brooklyn Middle, I think it's called. Um, you know, you get a, a more urban street type sound. Um, and then he gets there and, and either you don't have any music, right? Because there aren't people with bla- ghetto mm-hmm. blasters. Um, or the scoring is very light, right? So you get this notion yeah. that this is a much more sterile, much more put together uniform environment. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was really, and I guess the one thing I would say about the score versus the soundtrack, when it's not diegetic, um, certain characters have their own sounds, and like, uh, the Prowler's sound theme was really, really well done, sort of deep, bassier, it made it, you, you know, it gave you the sense of danger, but not frenetic, right? Like, Prowler's yes. scary because yep. he's quick, but it's, he's quick, but he's determined and stable, right? Mm. He's clearly a merc. Like he's a, like he's a mercenary. Kingpin's hired him, but I'm hired. I'll do my job. I always get my man kind of like cold calculating. And even when like his bike gets hit by a car or whatever, you just see him calmly perched on a, on the top of a building, like unruffled. Uh, and it's only when he takes a look at Miles's face right before Kingpin shoots him that you get this, that he, in no point does he break, right? Mm hmm. And like I'm out of town for a couple of days on his answer machine keeps playing and it's because he's not out of town. He's just on a job. It's just, again, it's so well done. I think this is like a, it's a really good thing. You have access to the movie like Netflix. It's worth just fast forwarding to one of the scenes with the Prowler just to hear how the scoring, like he has his theme and how that scoring comes in and out depending on the speed of the, the chase. Yes. Yeah. So like when they're actively like flying through and running, racing through the streets and the subway, you don't hear it. But then it, it started in his room and he's like, he's like, spins around the couch and Miles has turned, figured out how to turn invisible. So he's fine. And you hear that like very methodical beat. And then the chase scene is all like more standard scoring. But then again, that, that shot of him calmly on top of the roof. It ends that sequence with the same Prowler theme. It's just mm-hmm. really well done. Um, and I, I think, yeah, I think it, it's the, the scoring being diegetic, or the soundtrack being diegetic for the most part, uh, again, helps that lived in world, but also they just know what type of, they just spent, clearly spent a lot of time figuring out the mood of the soundscape mm-hmm. in a way that sometimes children's movies or like family films don't put that effort in. And I think, it's really smart because it, again, it like compounds that lived in feeling that you want from an animated film because yeah. you are, mu- you are more divorced because it's animated. And I think that's why New York feels kind of more alive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Um, any last thoughts? Um, I think we've covered it pretty well. Everything that I kind of wanted to, to talk about. It does have a stellar cast. 
Um, we haven't talked a huge amount about the kind of the voice acting and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's got a really good cast and, and considering some of them only get like five or maybe even, you know, a little bit longer. So, um, Someone like uh, Lee Schreiber as Wilson Fisk, yeah. a little bit more, but I could not tell that it was him whatsoever. I had no idea. Uh, no. And, and, and normally, when you hear Lee Schreiber, you're like, "Oh yeah, I, it's him, absolutely." Um, but yeah, it, it worked really well. And um, I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Shamik Moore, Shemik Moore uh, yeah. who is not someone I'd ever come across before. But I mean, gets across. The sort of the age, the nature, the growing, the emotion of Miles fantastically, like really, really well, uh, really, really well played by him. Yeah, I think his standout scenes are probably the, um, that Gwen puberty scene. Like he really sells yeah. nervousness, et cetera, and the cutaways from what he's saying to the thoughts. And as I say, mm-hmm. and, but like basically anytime Miles is thinking, in a, especially when he's thinking in a panic, it, and you're getting those visual cues of the thought bubbles. What sells it is, is Shamik more like just being believably scared or confused or like bewildered or awkward. He just, you're right. He just sells that moment in, uh, in, in a teenager and adolescent's life really well. Um, cool. Uh, so the, the, the couple things uh, we didn't get to, but I just wanted to quickly mention that I really like the, Doc Ock in this universe. Yes. Yeah. Being not only a, a woman, but also I'm used to Dr. Octopus be, arms being like kind of like mechanical, clunky, like shiny metal things. And these weird jelly things and the way they move really sells. This is not your, your grandpa's Dr. Octopus. Yeah. yeah. Like they didn't just say, okay, we'll make her female. It's like, no, she's, she's the key scientist, which is really important to Doc Ock. She, it's not just some crazy person with arms, right? But her, the arms make her way more for, like she is the scariest bad person in the entire film. Yeah. She's the pivotal one. And apparently she's also probably coming back in the sequel, which I, I'm really nice. happy about. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I just wanted to, to point that out because I think we sort of skimmed over it and like most mm. of the other bad guys, like Tombstone's kind of just being Tombstone. Scorpion, yeah. I like that they give him weird six-legged, uh, body part to fight yes. in the anime battle. That was one of the, that, that was like a nice, here's our world's version of anime mech mm-hmm. and we'll have you fight in a way that makes sort of temp- tempo sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, he was pretty throwaway. Um, yeah. Uh, th- those, those, those are my thoughts. Uh, I am excited. Uh, uh, they've started work on the sequel, as I said. So mm. I'm excited to see how that goes. Who knows? Uh, mostly it's just like, hey, you figured it out. Like this, this is why well, I haven't actually seen Far From Home yet, but like Sony animated pictures, the next thing they do, even if it wasn't to Spider-Man, I'd, I'd be all, all up for because this, this gave me a lot of faith in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, as kind of as my final thought, I think it is my favorite Spider-Man film. Um, out of, uh, you know, going for like, say the modern ones. Um, from Tobey Maguire onwards. Yeah. I think it's one of my favorite, um, superhero films, period. It's definitely yeah. my favorite Spider-Man film. Uh, mm. having seen it twice now, I can confirm. Like, the fact that I'm like, oh, I wish one character up more time is like my biggest complaint. And like, there was a hackneyed scene. Yeah. Grand scheme <laughs> of things. That's not a lot of disappointment, right? Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I really liked it. I'm, I'm really glad uh, I got to watch it again. 
uh, and it's so pretty. Yeah. Like, I cannot get, like, and pretty in, on, like, like we were saying, the audio and visual, um, angles. So, cool. Uh, I think that'll do it this week. Um, if you have thoughts on, uh, sp- spider hyphen man colon into the spider hyphen verse, <laughs> um, you can reach us at podcast at outoflives.net or outoflivesnet on Twitter. Or are we out of Lies Network? I can't remember. Um, we stream um, this show uh, live on twitch.tv slash out of Lies Network every Monday at noon British Standard Time. Or is it? Brit- yeah, it's British Standard Time right now. It's not daylight, right? At GMT. GMT. Yeah, sir. We'll say GMT. Um, uh, we also uh, record with our uh, fellow out of Lives liver, Lucy. Uh, we record a Craft Beer and Video Games Podcast, Tuesdays uh, at 8 p.m. GMT. Um, and I stream on Tuesdays at noon. Uh, first looks at new games. Uh, last week was The Falconeer. I'm not sure what I'm going to do tomorrow, but it'll already be done by the time you hear this on your podcatcher of choice. <laughs> uh, you can reach me at The Omniarch, T-H-E-O-M-N-I-A-R-C-H, and Ben at... Uh, at Nova underscore 47. Uh, and also on the Instagrams and all the other things, that's that's who we are. Um, if you could write, leave us a review, like, subscribe, follow, rating, depending on how you are imbibing this podcast, you will know what the which one to choose. That would really help mm-hmm. us out. We're we're new. We you know it'll help our reach. But also feel free to re- reach out. I'd love to hear your thoughts about either the Mandalorian that we talked about last week or Spider Man into the Spider Verse this week. Um, I can't. What are we doing next week, Ben? I don't know. We haven't discussed it. Yep. I just realized that. I was because like, and next week we, nah, anyway. Um, <laughs> I'll leave you with that. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, bye. Bye. Ciao. www.outoflives.net.